Pirates know something that, you know, the people up here don't. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Join this week, continuing up our every other week host rotation, the host of Play Like a Jet, our very own Scott Mason. Scott, how you doing today? Hey, Joe. How's it going? I feel like we're the Oklahoma City Thunder from a few years ago, and you and Dalvin are Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. I'm James Harden coming off the bench, so happy to be a contributor. I like the basketball analogy. I think it makes sense, and I think we got a good rhythm going here. We're going to keep it rolling through these last few weeks of the regular season. Today's podcast, we're going to talk about the 23 nothing abomination uh, of a Jets performance this past Sunday. Uh, talk about where they stand in the draft now, because now we could officially, officially, officially say that they are not going to the playoffs next year, uh, with Josh McCown now out for the season and a brutal remaining three-game schedule. Uh, and the Jets currently sitting with the 10th overall pick. We'll then briefly touch on what we expect out of Bryce Petty and the upcoming matchup against the New Orleans Saints. Before we dive into everything, I want to remind you guys this podcast is brought to you by Prime Sport, official sponsor and team partner of the New York Jets. If you're heading out to New Orleans this weekend for the Jets-Saints game, make sure to check out primesport.com slash turn on the Jets. If you're going to their home finale against the Chargers, same thing, they'll have a pregame party at the Pepsi tailgate by the tailgate at the Pepsi gate before you go into the stadium you can learn more about that again at primesport.com slash turn on the jets you could also follow them on twitter and facebook at primesport also our podcast is now brought to you by razor sport uh, you're going to go to razor sport r-a-z-e-r sport.com to check out the best betting consultants out there, especially for these final weeks of the NFL season, heading into the college bowl season, uh, BCS playoffs, you need to get the best advice possible. And you get that from the Razor Sport Club, which is their handle on Twitter, where you should follow them as well. Again, that's R-A-Z-E-R-S-P-O-R-T.com. Check them out for the best sports betting advice you could get. We've been retweeting some of their stuff over the past few days, so make sure to keep an eye on some of their different recommendations. All right, Jets-Broncos. Uh, there's really not much to say in this game. The Jets came out and were thoroughly dominated from start to finish. It probably wasn't even as close as the final score looked as Denver dropped a couple passes and missed a chip shot field goal and still won 23-0. And the Jets fell behind early. Uh, Josh McCown had a first-half interception, uh, a first-half fumble. He got knocked he got knocked around a little bit, came out for a few p- plays. Bryce Petty came in. Then he got knocked out for good and is now out for the season with a broken left hand, meaning Petty will start the rest of the year. Uh, offensively, the Jets had one of their worst performances in franchise history. I think they barely even cracked 100 yards. Uh, no big plays in the passing game, no running game whatsoever. Uh, continuing their problems on the road where they fell to 1-5 and five and Nobody should have been feeling all that confident going into this game after what happened against Tampa a few weeks back, but I don't think anybody expected them to get blown out like this. So now McCown out for the season, Jets 5-8 and eight after losing to a team who was the worst-ranked team in DVOA and had lost eight in a row, uh, and the Jets just weren't even competitive in this one. Demarius Thomas uh, beating Morris Claiborne up and down the field all afternoon. It's been a tough second half of the year for Claiborne after a fast start. And as we have mentioned uh, offensively, another day where the offensive line struggled, both in protecting the passer and in getting any push in the run game. Uh, Scott, what were your initial reactions to this game? Was just was 
just completely disheartening. I mean, there wasn't, usually you could find a few shreds of positives to take away, but this one was just a, a disaster from start to finish. Maine Adams played well. I guess if you want to look on the bright side, you could look at that. Overall, though, how much can you really take out of this game that would be positive? The only, I mean, you, if you really want to <laughs> spin it, you could say that the Jets probably should have lost this thing 45 to nothing in the fact that Denver's offense is kind of inept, even despite the fact that Demarius Thomas did well. If they had had a better offense, they probably would have won it 45 to nothing. But it was just a numbing experience. After a while, you just, whatever. And as far as Josh McCown, it was just a bizarre thing because he kept getting hit and then he would be hurt. He'd be holding his ribs or he'd be holding his back. At a certain point, it kind of took on the image of a who just keeps getting knocked down and he keeps getting back up and he's wobbly and he's glassy-eyed. And at some point, you know that the referee is just going to have to step in and stop that fight. And in this case, the referee was when his broken hand happened and now he's out for the year. But just watching this thing, I told you before, if it wasn't for the fact that I had to cover this on a post-game podcast with Kyle and our special guest, Greg Renoff, I would have changed the channel and watched the Rams and the Eagles. So it was just a game that was a disaster from start to finish. It was their worst performance of the season. Even the Raider game, there were some shining moments in the first half, but this was just a beatdown. It was their last chance, as far as I'm concerned, to win a game this season, and it went in the worst way possible. It just could not have gone more haywire. So now you just look past this and move on to the rest of the schedule and try to block this out of your memory. There's generally at least one of these games every year for the Jets, that game where they just beat so badly and just try to put it out of your memory. This was that game. Although, looking at the rest of the schedule, especially with the Patriots losing last night and now maybe needing that game at the end of the year, it's possible that any of the rest of these three games could fit into that beatdown category, especially with Joshua Countout. So we'll see how this develops. But i got to say, I'm not really all that optimistic for the remaining three games. Yeah, and Petty looked, you know, rusty as expected. He was two for nine for 14 yards, just missed, was missing wide open wide receivers all over the field. And, uh, you know, a couple inconvenient reminders is that, you know, Josh McCown's 38 years old and he's always had problems staying healthy. So expecting him to stay healthy at 39 years old uh, when he's never played in more games than he has this year and then in his entire 1,500-year career is probably not the wisest thing in the world. And also, despite playing pretty well in the preseason, particularly in the Giants game, Bryce Petty is not a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL. There's a reason McCown has been starting all these games. There's a reason that everybody thinks the Jets need to add quarterbacks in the draft and free agency. Best, best case scenario for Petty is that he could be a backup here long term, and it's debatable whether he's even good enough to do that. He was not good last year in extended action for the Jets, uh, looked overwhelmed against Denver. Obviously, we'll see what happens on the road against New Orleans and the uh, the Chargers, but those are not easy teams to go against. Uh, Two of the hottest teams in the NFL right now, two of the best overall teams probably in the NFL right now. Uh, And if he starts week 17 against New England, obviously arguably the best team in the NFL right now, despite what happened last night against the Dolphins. And now the the Patriots are going to need that game. So that actually works out well for the Jets 
tank plans, who are now, if the season ended, they'd currently be picking 10th. Uh, it is likely they will probably lose their last three games. This upcoming week, you have Denver against the Colts. You want Denver to win that game, get to their fifth loss so the Jets can move ahead of them, as Denver would definitely be looking for a quarterback as well. Uh, also want to spend the rest of the year uh, rooting for teams like Tampa Bay, who's ahead of the Jets, uh, rooting for teams like Washington, who are ahead of the Jets with their draft pick. Uh, anybody who has four, three or four wins right now, uh, you want to be rooting for to get some wins. I think the Bengals technically are currently ahead of the Jets right now. Want to root for them to win another game, the Bears to win another game. Um, I would say best case scenario, and correct me if I'm wrong, Scott, if I'm reading the standings wrong, the Jets are probably going to pick between fifth and eighth feels like the best case scenario. Any chance you think they could get higher than that? Or do you think they're going to win one more game and drop into that 12 to 14 range? Yeah, I think they'll probably lose the last three games, especially with McCown out. They're on the road against New Orleans, and that's a tough place to play. Even if you had your starting quarterback, I thought they were going to get beaten down pretty badly. I don't see them beating the Chargers on Christmas Eve either. The Chargers are on a roll. Phillip Rivers is hot. And again, you don't even have a starting caliber quarterback for this team. And then the Patriots, especially if they end up needing that game, which now it looks like they will, I cannot see under any circumstances a Jets team with literally nothing to play for going into Foxborough and beating a Patriots team that actually needs the game. So I suspect that they'll finish 5-11 and 11 as well. And I think 5-8 to eight is probably around where they finish. What you have to hope for, like you said, is for all those teams that are right in the mix with the Jets to win a game or two more. The other thing that could be interesting to watch, because I don't know what the tiebreaker situation is, Jimmy Garoppolo looks pretty damn good with the 49ers right now. I don't know what their remaining schedule is or what the tiebreaker situation is, but if they run the table, you know, who knows? That could be another team that could potentially end up there with the Jets in 5-11 and 11 territory. So the, the main thing, if you're a Jets fan now, it's kind of the reverse of when they're in the playoff hunt and you're rooting for certain teams to lose so that the Jets can sneak up into the playoff talk. Now it's the reverse of that. You want these teams to win so the Jets can elevate themselves in the draft order. Realistically, I think the quarterback situation could be solved in one of two ways, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a bit and in, in much more depth later on as far as free agency and the draft. But the closer that the Jets get to that high pick, the better for a variety of reasons, not the least of which it gives them more options. But it also gives them the ability to be at the top of every single round, which I can't un overstate enough how important that is if you look historically, not only because of the fact that it allows you to have your pick uh, in the second and third round, because remember, the first round is one day, the second round and the third round are another day. So you start off that day, you have the entire night before to figure out who you want to pick, but also so many trade-down possibilities. You can pick up extra picks and so on and so forth. So this is really going to be something where we have to watch and, and hope that all the teams around the Jets win and that the Jets find a way to lose those last three games. I'm, I'm much more confident on the Jets losing the last three than some of the other teams doing their part, but we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, and we'll have all offseason to you know, sort of dive in uh, and figure out what route they can take to improve uh, the quarterback position among some of the other positions that they need to improve. But like you said, you know, 
regardless of the fact that you could still get a very good player and potentially even a quarterback, you know, in the 10 to 15 range, it's just better uh, to have a a better asset, you know, a top 10 pick. Uh, It gives you more flexibility. It means you have to trade up uh, less of an amount if you are looking to make a move up. It makes your pick in every subsequent round uh, better, as you had mentioned. Uh, It just gives you more overall flexibility. So yes, you could still mess up the sixth or seventh pick, but theoretically the odds should be lower and you should have more options if you have that pick. And, you know, the reason that, you know, I think we're confident that the Jets are probably going to lose their last three games is, you're going to play a New Orleans team on the road where you're 1-5 and five on the road this year, including losses to a very bad Denver and Tampa Bay team. Saints are coming off 10 days of rest, uh, desperate for a win as they're battling still for first place in the NFC South. And this is just going to be a tough matchup across the board for the Jets. It's Bryce Petty's first start of the year against a defense and a secondary in particular that has been very, very good this season, led by rookie Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, the Saints have just done a tremendous job of drafting. You want to talk about an impact impact draft class between Lattimore and Kamara. The Saints might have the offensive and defensive rookie of the year. Never mind uh, their starting safety, Marcus Williams, who's arguably been the best rookie safety. Maybe Marcus Mays in that discussion as well, but a guy that they got in the middle rounds who's been highly, highly productive, had another interception last Thursday night. Also added a starting tackle in the first round uh, by getting Ryan Ramchek when they traded up for him. So this is a loaded team, and we know what Drew Brees can do. We know what Michael Thomas could do. It's going to be a very tough test for the Jets. I'm going to guess they're going to be somewhere between, I don't know, 11 and 13 point underdogs. And I think that number seems fair. Uh, This team has found a way to be competitive most weeks, but I would not bet on them being competitive this week. I think coming back home uh, with the Chargers flying across the country, I think that's a game that I could see them being competitive in. But this one against the Saints This one really has blowout written all over it. It reminds me a little bit of back in week two and we thought Oakland was good and we thought Oakland would follow through and blow them out. And they did. The Jets lost that game 45 to 20, even though the Jets hung around for a little bit. How, I mean, is there any way you see the Jets hanging around in this game outside of uh, a out-of-body experience from Bryce Petty playing the game of his life? (laughs) I guess, see, this is the problem. I was going to say, I guess if they can control the clock, and keep the Saints off the field, but I don't see how you do that. They haven't been able to run the ball almost the entire year. They had that one good game in Buffalo and a couple of big runs against Jacksonville, but other than that, they've been terrible in the running game. They haven't been able to get any push, so I don't see how that happens. I guess really outside of Bryce Petty being a huge surprise this week, I don't see how they can score enough points even if the defense does a reasonably good job against Drew Brees, I suppose if they could force him into turnovers or generate enough heat on blitzes to keep him on his toes the whole game, maybe they can keep it close. But I don't know. I see this best-case scenario being kind of what you said happened in Oakland, where the Jets will hang around for a while maybe, and then in the second half, the Saints come out and blow the doors off. But I would, if I were a betting man, I would definitely bet on the Saints to cover the spread this week. Yeah, it feel, it's going to feel hard to go against that at, at this point. Um, it's just a tough matchup for the Jets. And, I, I, you know, I hope that no one wants to see them get blown out, right? Uh, you know, we do think that it would probably benefit them more long-term if they, they lost these upcoming games. But you want to see them show up and be competitive. And they didn't do that uh, against Denver. And there really should be no excuse for that. And that's on the coaching staff uh, when your team shows up that unprepared. And then it's also on the rest of the 
roster, the Jets specifically, one of the things that we heard repeatedly over the offseason is the Jets drafted and added all these guys who love football. Uh, they're going to bring it every single week. Even if they're not the most talented team out there, they're going to learn on the fly, play high energy. We didn't see that. And, it, you know, the Jets sleepwalk through that game. And uh, that's something this locker room has to figure out how to fix. You know, beating Kansas City is not cause for reacting like you won the Super Bowl. Just like beating Buffalo was not cause for reacting like you won the Super Bowl. And it feels like every time this Jets team wins a game, everyone goes crazy. Todd Bowles is the coach of the year. John Morton's the best offensive coordinator in the NFL. Josh McCown has to come back. This team is 2-6 and six since they started 3-2. and two. They've been one of the worst teams in the NFL. So the one win a month isn't a reason to forget about all the larger problems. And I think we'll see some of that early season chatter about this team being bad and who should go and who should not go come back as they string together a few losses here. I just think this team needs to learn how to handle success. Uh, you can't be getting that excited and show up completely, completely flat against such a bad Denver team. Uh, do you think there's any chance that Bowles or McCagnan are not back in 2018 before we wrap, Scott? Before I get to that, I just wanted to throw this out there, Joe, because I know this has been a big talk on social media, and it's something that you've really pounded home a lot that people don't understand. You talked about how, oh, the Jets, everybody says that they've beaten expectations, or, oh, this is a big win, Bulls should be coach of the year. There's this revisionist history going on that says that everybody thought the Jets were going to go 0-16. I feel like a lot of that was just the clickbait writers and maybe some of the sensationalized Skip Bayless-y type stuff from some of the national figures. But if you look at the people that really paid attention to this team, the beat writers, guys on our site, guys on other Jets sites, the most common predictions seem to range within three to six wins. And so they're on the high end of that, I guess. But even on our site, most everybody was saying, I know that a bunch of us said four and 12, a couple of us said three and thirteen. So, if you want to say five and eleven is outpacing expectations, I guess slightly. But this whole idea that they have been so great this year compared to what we expected is a little bit insane. And to that end, the narrative that Bulls should definitely be back because oh, everyone expected this team to be zero and sixteen, and look, they're going to win five games. I think it's a little bogus. But I will say. I don't think Bowles is going to be gone, and I also don't think McCagnin is going to be gone. I think a couple of things in play here. The first one is that you have Woody Johnson's brother who's overseeing the team, and I'm not sure that he wants to make a bold sweeping move like that, especially after a season where expectations weren't super high to begin with. I feel like that'll keep Bowles and McCagnin safe. And the other thing is, ironically, I think McCown getting hurt actually played into Bowles' advantage a lot because – now they can say, well, he already won five games, and look, what did you want him to do? He didn't even have his quarterback the last three games. He did everything he could. So whereas I personally would be fine with Bowles and or McCagnin being gone, I'm fine with if they stay or go, I'm kind of ambivalent to it because I don't think they've done great. I don't think they've done terrible. I think they've been eh. I know there are a lot of people that feel otherwise on both ends of it. But no, I don't, given the situation and, and the ownership deal, I really think there's a very, very small chance. I think something out of the ordinary would have to happen. Something really crazy would have to happen. Like Todd Bowles would have to get into a fist fight with somebody or something like that on the, on the sidelines and, or have some 
sort of insane press conference. Other than that, I, I can't see Bowles or McCagnan being gone personally. Yeah, I agree. I think both are going to be back in 2018, regardless of what happens these next three weeks. And I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that's definitely going to be an article we hit on early in the offseason with this sort of straw man. Everybody picked them to win zero or one games. There was a handful of national media publications who said the Jets could go 0-16. Um, that was it. The general consensus, and you could see it across our site and a lot of other sites similar to ours and a lot of people who cover the team, was that they would win between three and six games. I think you picked them to go four and 12. I picked them to go five and 11. Dalbin picked them to go six and 10. Uh, everyone else across our site had them at four and 12 or five and 11. So I, I don't buy this argument that they've over, you know, overachieved by going five and 11. I think, yes, they've overachieved by being more competitive most weeks than we thought they would, namely the New England, Atlanta, and Carolina game. But their win total of five games is not some incredibly impressive feat. And I think if you look at most of the preseason predictions from most of the people who actually follow this team closely, they will be either three, four, five, or six wins. So the Jets are going to be maybe a little on the high end of that, but right in the range that most people expected. All right, Scott, before we wrap, what should we be looking forward to this Friday on Play Like a Jet? Well, Friday and Sunday, we've got some fun stuff going on. Friday, Play Like a Jet, it'll be part four with Marcus Coleman discussing the Monday Night Miracle. It's been a lot of fun for me as a longtime hardcore Jets fan to rewatch this game with Marcus. In collision low crossers, Nicholas Dawidoff sat in the living room with Brian Thomas and watched a football game with him. And he had that experience of being able to watch a Jets game with an actual Jet and kind of have him guide him through that. Well, the thing that's even better than that with this is that Marcus played in this game and he was one of the stars of it. And as the second half unwinds, you'll see exactly how that unfolded if you don't remember exactly. And the beautiful thing about this too is not only can you hear Marcus and I go through it play by play together, but you can watch the game along with us because the NFL was nice enough to put the entire game up on YouTube. So if you want, pull it up YouTube, mute the commentary, and give it a listen with Marcus. We're going to delve into the third quarter this week. We let off after the end of the first half. Jets were down 23-7. to And so we're going to see. Do things get better? I will say this. If you know anything about the game and you know the fact that it's called the Monday Night Miracle, also you figured out the fact that at some point this thing is going to swing. When does it happen? Where does it happen? What are some of the details? We're going to get into that. Some interesting stuff on the commentary as well, including here's a little tidbit for you. There is a very famous person who came into the booth to start the third quarter, and even though the Jets were getting pounded, he said he believed that the Jets were going to make a comeback and specifically pinpointed Wayne Corbett as one of the reasons why. Interesting, who was this guy? And was he right about Wayne Corbett and the rest of the team? Well, you can find out that and so much more when you tune in for part four of our series on the Monday Night Miracle. It happened on October 23rd, 2000, and you can check it out this Friday at TurnOnTheJets.com, iTunes, and pretty much anywhere else where you can download podcasts. And also on Sunday, we're going to have a little more audio therapy. Kyle Fahey and I had special guest Greg Renoff, who is the author of the great book, Van Halen Rising. And he's also a longtime hardcore Jets fan. He came on to share his thoughts, give a little historical perspective. And Joe, what may be even more interesting to our uh, readers and listeners is the fact that Greg lives in Oklahoma. 
So he has some unique perspective on Baker Mayfield that he shared with us. And this Sunday, we're looking at another special guest. I don't have it completely confirmed, so I don't want to announce it yet. But looks like we're going to be joined by another special guest after the Saints game. I will say I envision myself watching Bryce Petty shaking my head and then making the same proclamation that I did after this game, which is this, and I'm sure we'll get into it a lot more in the future. If Kirk Cousins or one of the top quarterbacks in the draft isn't on the Jets roster to start the 2018 season, I'm going to be very upset. I've run out of patience, and I'm pretty sure most of the fan base feels the same way. So I'm sure we'll have a lot of that to talk about on Sunday with the Post Game Podcast. Same deal as with Play Like Jet. You can download it on iTunes at turnthejets.com or anywhere where podcasts can be downloaded. And Joe, I will say, audio therapy is good for the soul. So if you're a Jets fan that gets disappointed if the Jets get beat down by the Saints this week, or if you're happy because they pull off some sort of miracle upset, Kyle and I will be there for you on Sunday to guide you through the win or the loss. Thank you, Scott. And again, make sure to go subscribe to Play Like a Jet on iTunes. Also subscribe to this podcast, turn on the Jets on iTunes. Follow Scott at Play Like a Jet 1. Follow me at Jay Caparoso. Thank you, everybody, and we'll be back next week.